want to encourage uh, us just with uh, something that, that God encouraged me with uh, before the COVID thing started. Um, and I, I believe it really helped us as a ministry, as Grace Life, to, to get through the time uh, uh, and actually to thrive during that time. And that is the one thought that, that, that I believe will encourage everyone based on the answers that you gave regarding what is the most challenging thing in ministry for you at the moment. Uh, you know, we're not going to be able to address all of the things that, that everybody brought up there. But um, the, the, I, I believe that this kind of touches on a lot of that. Okay, what are, what are the cha most challenging things that you're facing right now? A, a lot of that will be answered in this. Not everything, but I believe a lot of it. And that is what the Lord spoke to me before lockdown. He said, if persecution were to hit, you know, South Africa or the world right now, um, how would you handle that? Like, what, how would you do ministry? What would you do? Because there would be restrictions on you. You wouldn't be allowed to, to function as you usually function. And so, um, you know, what... Um, what would you, uh, uh, what would you do? How would you, you do ministry? And, uh, you know, as I meditated on that, uh, I came to the conclusion that, um, that, uh, uh, a lot of things that we do would actually fall away. And a lot of things that we uh, are doing are non-essential and a lot of things that we should be doing, we're maybe not focusing on enough, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, we, 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 uh, just as a, as a ministry, really started to adjust certain things and certain you know, focus a lot more on discipleship and equipping people just to uh, uh, disciple uh, each other. And uh, it was amazing to see that as soon as um, um, we weren't 100% ready for it, but as soon as lockdown hit us in South Africa, um, we, we weren't allowed to meet, we weren't allowed to do those things. And so we started to get online and things, but a lot of what we had put in place carried on and ministry continued. And so I wanted to encourage you and, and, and challenge you with a lot of the things that people wrote as their challenges is if you just start to see things differently as a, as a leader and as a pastor, then you currently are seeing them. It's going to help you to thrive no matter what happens. Because, I mean, you know, if you look at, at, at the history and persecution and things like that, the church seems to flourish under those difficult conditions. And I love meeting in, in, in gatherings and in person. And, you know, the, it's, a, it's very frustrating to have all these restrictions, but it should never frustrate us to the point where we're not um, fruitful. It should never uh, get us down to the place where we, we just have to like go on holiday because there's nothing to do. Like we can you know, make a way. You know, we've got um, uh, the, 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 one of our campuses, the pastors here at the moment, Emily. Uh, she's pastoring a, a, a group in um, a church in uh, Solaris Pass, which is a really poorer community in, in, in our uh, nation. And you know, uh, they don't have internet to be able to meet like we're meeting right now. And so we have the challenge of how do we reach these people and, and connect to them? And, you know, the obvious answer would be WhatsApp or, or being able to connect like that. Whereas a lot of people don't have enough uh, data or even phones to be able to connect with like that. And I really appreciate her diligence and efforts to, to print out a letter and go and deliver it. You know, one to each member on Sunday to make sure that people were encouraged and that they got some kind of connection. Uh, 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 this weekend. And so, you know, we just have to be creative in times like this. And we need to step out of uh, a traditional mindset and realize that the mission continues. 
You know, our purpose doesn't go on lockdown. We can continue just to keep the main thing, the main thing and push forward into uh, uh, shepherding people without the service. And it's a lot more challenging, I know, but uh, we can do it. Amen. Scripture I wanted to encourage you with is Mark chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. It says, uh, then he appointed 12 that they may, might be with him and he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils or demons. Now, what I love about that is it says before they went out to preach, before they went, had power to, to heal sicknesses and cast out demons, Jesus called them to be with him. And so, you know, Jesus is calling us as leaders before we have any great ministry, before we, we're, we're, we're having mass crusades and seeing sick healed and all that. He's calling us to, to, um, to, to uh, be with him because intimacy with him will, will, will be the foundation of a healthy ministry. And out of the overflow of that intimacy with Jesus, we're able to really have the creativity to, to deal with the challenging circumstances that we have and to, to reach people and to be a blessing and change the world for, for him. And so I really want to encourage you to, to, I know there's many things that distract us and keep us occupied, but let's keep the main thing, the main thing, focusing in on our relationship with him and ministry being birthed from that place. Amen. So we've got a couple of speakers coming up. I'm going to come in between just to, to do a handover. Uh, but first up, we've got Benjamin Conway, who's a friend of mine. He's a, a founding pastor. Uh, founding, he founded Tree of Life Churches in, in England, and uh, he's the lead pastor there. And he's got a great ministry. He's on TV there and I think radio. Uh, but he's doing a great ministry there in, in really shaking up Great Britain for Jesus and he's a fellow church planter, and uh, I look forward to hearing what he's got to encourage us with. And so open up your heart to receive, because there's definitely something that's going to enrich you and your ministry. Amen? Go for it, Amen. Ben. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shane. What a joy to be here with you all. And Shane, I want to thank you personally for the honor of being able to speak um, at another one of your conferences. It's one of the highlights of, of my life, is, is ministering at Grace Life. I love you guys so much. Um, I saw the list from Shane of the, the, the sort of things that you feel are issues in your ministry, the things you want to address. And one of the things that came up a few times was the phrase time management. So we need some help on time management. And I'm guessing that most of us feel that lack of time in our lives. And it's a push. It's a pressure. You know, we've got to get everything done to get done. And what we want to get done pushes us. And I don't know any leader, I suppose not any Christian church leader who says, Oh, yeah, yeah, Ben, Ben, I've got so much time to do everything I need to do. I've got so much spare time. Oh, man, it's just so easy. No, it's not like that. We're all at full workload, and we can't work harder because there's no more, there's no more, there's not another 10%. I can probably work 10% harder than what I do for about a week, and then I'll just collapse on the floor. We're all at full capacity. We can't work longer hours. We're working as much as we can. So what do we have to develop? We have to develop, and we want to invest in people and build people, and so we need to learn how to manage our time. And that phrase is a bit of a funny phrase, isn't it? Because there's a lot of teaching on time management, a lot of information on time management, and I find that kind of amusing because ultimately you can't manage time. No one can manage time. You can't control time. You can't slow down time. Every one of us, time just marches forward a minute after a minute, an hour after an hour, a day after a day, 
Every one of us gets 24 hours a day. You don't, no one gets extra time. You can't just press pause and, and say, well, I need an extra half hour. Let's just pause time. Okay, Joshua managed it once, but it hasn't happened since. You can't slow time down. You can't speed up time. So time is just time. It's really totally unmanageable. It's always the same. What we need to manage, and this is the framing I want to help you get today, is you need to manage the choices you make. That's what you need to manage. That's what you can control. You need to manage your priorities so you're not spending time, investing time, doing things that just don't matter. And the more of a leadership capacity that you develop in your life, the more you're going to have to learn how to manage your priorities because your actions and the decisions you make are going to impact more and more people. And I've found in my life as a pastor, the two hardest things to do, number one, is to get people to think, to actually get Christians to use their brain and think. And then secondly, is to think about the things that actually matter, about important things. And that thinking about what actually matters is called prioritizing. And there is no more important task for leadership than to decide what matters, to prioritize, to make choices in line with what priorities you have. Good leaders think ahead. Before you walk into a situation, you prioritize responsibilities. Before you walk into a church business meeting, before you walk into a church service, what do I want out of this service and how do we get it? There's powerful people can get what they want out of life. Philosophers know what they want out of life, but leaders, Christian leaders, we should be able to know what we want and then get it and then get those things happening and get those results. And so today what I want to do is help you identify what really matters to help you set clear priorities in any situation and how to make choices that match up with your priorities so you can have a better life, be a better leader. You can't change time. You still get 24 hours in a day, but you get to invest those 24 hours in better ways that make you a better leader. And one of the biggest problems we have as leaders, and we have to be very aware of this, is there's always a pressure on us to change our priorities. There's always someone screaming in your ear, this is really important. You must do this now. You have to sort this out right now, or I'm leaving the church, or I'm, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And a lot of those things are not important. A lot of those things are not really what's important. And you have to decide, and you have to learn this. This is really important. You have to learn the difference between what is urgent and what's actually important, because they're not always the same. Some things are very urgent and important. You need to get them done. But some things are urgent, but they're not really that important. And there are other things that are very important, but they're not urgent. And so they just keep getting put off. They get put off. They get put off. Some of you have got books inside you, and it's so important you write those books, but it's not urgent. No one's giving you a deadline. So it just gets put off and put off and put off for the tyranny of what's urgent and what's pressing. And we have to learn to dif differentiate between what's important, what's important. If I don't do this or I don't do it well, there's going to be big consequences. That's an important thing. And what's urgent must be done quickly. Most people live their lives, this is my experience, most people live their lives doing things that are urgent, but not really that important. And we need to move away from that and move into doing things that are important, whether they're urgent or not. We need to do what's important. And by changing your priorities, you change the pressures on your life. And this will make the difference between you being a good leader and a poor leader. So I want to give you some universal truths that will help any one of you, whatever situation you're in, whatever kind of ministry you're leading, to set good priorities. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you can set good priorities for your life, people are much more likely to follow you. People like following someone who can identify what's important. Okay? So here's my first principle. Okay? If you're taking notes, write this down. 
and underline it and learn this. If you get nothing else out of today and you get this first principle, you'll do well. Most people consistently overestimate how important most things are. Most people consistently overestimate how important most things are. You know? And so I have my to-do list every day. And my to-do list has three sections on it. Okay? Things I want to do. Things I have to do. And things I should be doing. But not all those things are important. Some of them are pretty unimportant. One of the hallmarks of wisdom is knowing what you can ignore and what you don't have to do. Never put off till tomorrow what you never have to do at all. Okay? Petty tasks can steal so much of our time. And we invest our lives in the wrong things. And things are inconsequential. You need to learn how to ignore some things. You need to learn how to say, that's not important. I'm not even going to get that done. Number two, if you have too many priorities, you're going to get exhausted. You're going to get absolutely exhausted. And if you're exhausted, you can't do anything well. Right? You have to all get, take an ego check. You know, you need to look in the mirror and say, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the savior of the universe. I'm not the jack of all trades. There are some things I'm really good at and there's some things I'm not good at. You need to find your sweet spot. What do my gifts do best for the kingdom? And the other stuff, you need to delegate that out to people. You need to make sure it's handed on to people who can do it well. We, we've been running Tree of Life Family now for 11 years. And uh, we have had glorious growth. Okay, just glorious and our, our first year, 2010, our first year as a ministry, our annual income was £7,000. That was our annual income. In the last quarter, in the last three months, we have given away £54,000 to World Mission. I mean, it's totally different. But when we first started the books, I had to do the bookkeeping. There was no one else there. I had to do it. And in the last three months, we've handed it over to someone else who actually enjoys doing the books. I, I, I can't understand this man. When we, when we sit down... And we meet to discuss the budget. He enjoys it. He likes it. That, that's not a skill I have. And it's made everything easier. You need to find the people who can prioritize what you can't prioritize because that's not your gifting. That's not your mix. That's not what you've got. And you need to realize that. And you see, there is a sweet spot for all of us where you have certain gifts, certain graces. You're designed in a certain way. You're not good at everything. There's a sweet spot where you usually give the. I'm not saying that everything you're going to do if you're in that sweet spot is going to be easy. It's not, especially if you're a pioneer and starting new churches, because when you start something new, you have to do everything because there's no one else there. But what it means is that your priority in any given situation should be your unique contribution. Okay. I, I'm not going to come here today and try and be Marie Helene, try and be Greg Moore. I'm here to be me. And that's the best use of my priorities is to teach you what I know I can teach you. This is what I'm talking about. And you, so you have to make sure you can choose priorities. As a young boy, I went to the circus. I'm aging myself now because you can't do this now in the UK. But you used to be able to go to the circus and watch all the animals. Now they don't let you have animals in the circus. And my favorite was always the lion tamer. And he'd go into that cage of lions, four lions, and all he had was a little stool. He'd hold the stool up and uh, the lions wouldn't move. They'd just stand there and stare at him. And he had complete control of the lions. I found out much later when I'd grown up that what it is, is that when the stool has all three or four legs, the lions look at all the legs and all the legs are the same. So the lion can't decide which leg is more important and more of a threat. And because it can't decide, it just gets frozen. And I think that sums up some of you right now. You've got stuff coming at you and you can't decide what's important. So you end up doing nothing. 
Okay, you have to learn how to set priorities. Some of you have had days like that. Your to-do list is too long, your paperwork's too much, your people are coming to you wanting stuff and you get confused, you get inactive. Prioritize what's important, what really needs to be done and prioritize not on the basis of urgency, but on the basis of importance. What are the consequences of these things? So learn to think, think about what you're doing. Think about what you're investing your time in. Now, if you prioritize the wrong things, if you prioritize things that are unimportant, you get important problems, okay? You prioritize little things, you're gonna get big problems, okay? When the, the Challenger space shuttle exploded in 86, they did a whole rush. What was wrong? Why did this space shuttle explode before it even got into space? And the failure was caused because there was a seal of a little O-ring used in a joint. And it wasn't able to handle the cold. It was a very, very cold day when they launched Challenger. And it was a very simple issue, but nobody had considered it. Nobody had thought it through. The O-rings, I mean, having a shuttle that doesn't explode, how many of you know that's a big issue? Right, that's important. But do you know that they had 10 times as many people working on the TV link so people could see it? Why? Because that's what was important to them. They thought, well, man, we've got to have this. No, the, 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 the hatch is more important. Having your O-rings in place is more important. And there was a real pressure not to delay the launch anymore. And there were engineers that said, look, NASA, this shuttle cannot take off safely until the temperature is at least 12 degrees higher. We just need to wait a couple of days, then we can do it when it's a bit warmer. But the importance, what was important was ignored because we have to have a habit of this day. It's being televised, people are watching. And some of us as leaders, we think, oh, people are watching. Oh, I have to do this. I have to, show, I have to show my best face. No, sometimes you've got to do what's important and it doesn't matter who's watching. What matters is the right things get done for the right reasons. And the reason that most Christians and most people and most church leaders do not achieve major goals is they invest far too little time doing the right things because they're spending far too much time doing little things, secondary tasks, putting second things first. Anytime the little things become the important things. We're about to open our seventh church in about seven weeks' time. Our seventh church. Do you know, we had four services last Saturday, four services last Saturday, and it's my son's birthday. And you know what I did? I took the day off, and I went and spent the day with my son on his birthday. I wasn't any one of those services. Do you know why? Because the last 11 years, I have realized and prioritized developing our people, building our people, making our people strong and capable, and they're all happy for me to take a day off with my son on his birthday, and they all got on with it. And we had four glorious services, new people, healing, stuff happened, because building people has been my priority for 11 years. And there's, up, there's many, many things that tried to come in to make that lesser priority, urgent things, rushing things. But we have to prioritize on what's important. Now listen, this is also something you have to grasp. If you prioritize everything, you're actually, it's the same as prioritizing nothing. Some people treat everything like a high priority and then you can't make a decision. So don't prioritize, no. Some people will never prioritize unless an emergency happens. We need to prioritize before the emergencies happen. We're the leaders. We're supposed to be proactive. We're supposed to see things coming. In 1912, you all know the Titanic crashed into an iceberg in the Atlantic. There was a woman in one of the lifeboats. And very few people got in those lifeboats. And she got into one of the lifeboats. And the lifeboat was about to be launched. And they said, we're going to launch this lifeboat in three minutes. And she said, I want to go back to my room. They said, well, if you're not back here in three minutes, we're launching without you. And she got up the boat. She ran. 
There was money on the floor. There were valuables all over the corridor. She went into her room. She ignored all her expensive jewelry and grabbed a bag of oranges and ran back to the boat. She got on the boat. I guarantee that five hours earlier, that lady would never have given up her jewelry for a bag of oranges. But the emergency revealed, this is actually really important. And uh, for some of us, we need to make sure we can see what's important before the emergency happens. So the question we now want to answer is this, how do I set priorities? How do I do it? <laughs> if you want to be a leader, don't wait for the Titanic to sink before you start making good decisions. Okay, don't wait for things to fall apart before you start deciding how to make good choices. The better choices you make, the better priorities you have. I tell you, more people will follow you. More people will respect you. Short term, some people will, oh, hold on a minute. You're not listening to my emergency. You're not listening to my problem. But overall, more people will be happy and more people want to be you. That's really the, 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 the sign of a real effective leader. So number one, Number one, and this is a cliche, but it's a true cliche, work smarter, not harder, okay? Now, if I'm gonna be fruitful, if I'm gonna have a fruitful life and a fruitful ministry, I have to be able to do things I've never done before, okay? And so sometimes we think, well, I'll just do it harder and I'll just add more intensity. It doesn't always solve the problem. Einstein told us that one definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. When I started on radio, Shane mentioned at the beginning now I'm on the radio, I used to record radio programs in my house late at night. So if someone rang the doorbell or the phone rang or something happened, I had to stop and re-record the entire program. And I was on two radio stations, so I was recording 28-minute programs and 55-minute programs. And it would take three or four hours in the night once a week so I'd start about 10 o'clock at night, wait till the kids were asleep. And my kids are adults now, so they don't go to bed at 10. <coughs> you know, I'd just be finishing minute 45 of a 55-minute program. One of my sons rings the doorbell or shouts at someone or phones someone. And you're like, oh, my, I've got to start again. And so God was telling me to expand the radio ministry, but I couldn't work any harder at it. I couldn't put any more time into it. So what I did was I hired someone. I paid them money. And what they do is, you know, they, they, we record every sermon I preach anywhere at the weekend. So they just started cutting them up into 28-minute sections, adding an intro, adding an outro. I now do nothing for our radio ministry, but it's about six times as large as what it was when I was sitting there working on it, exhausting myself. What happened? I found a smarter way to work. But unless we press pause on pushing everything at something, we don't have the time and space to think of a smarter way to do things. Okay. So we are now more productive and doing less work. Isn't that great? That's what we need to be at. And I guarantee some of the things you're putting a lot of effort into, there's a smarter way to do it. There's a cleverer way to do it. But to find that out, you have to press pause. You have to say, I'm not doing it for the next 40 hours. I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fellowship with the Lord and I'm going to find out what his wisdom is. And I'm going to find out what his way. I'm going to go and stop and I'm going to phone Shane because Shane's dealt with us before and I'm going to ask him what his wisdom is. I'm going to get involved with different ways of learning how to do the job. You need to be able to press pause from the work disciplined use of the time that other people are wasting that's going to give you an edge over other people that's going to help you be an effective leader it's going to help you win so number one work smarter not harder press pause on some of the jobs that are really hard is there a better way to do this is there an easier way to move this is there an easier way to start the service is there an easier way to get things done is there an easier way to persuade people to get this way you know whatever it is number two 
This is also very important. And, you know, what I'm talking about today, although I'm giving you sort of very broad principles, there's character involved in everything I'm saying. Because some people don't have the character to do this. And part of the character is this. You have to realize you can't have everything. Okay? I've got four children. My oldest is 24. My youngest is 15. And so in the last 20 years of my life, I've spent a lot of time in ice cream shops, in toy shops, in sweet shops. And um, your kids take a long time to realize they can't have everything. They take a long time to realize that. You take them to an ice cream shop and there's 50 flavors of ice cream. You say, which flavor would you like? And they could be there for an hour because they don't, they can't make a priority. They don't, I want to have that, I want to have that, I want to have that. Just make a decision. You know, as someone who's losing weight, I have to count my calories every day. That's what I'm doing. So I have to prioritize. I go, well, I could have that for breakfast, but I'm going to really suffer at tea time if I do. I have to make choices. I have to decide what's important because you can't have everything. And one of the major keys to being fruitful in life is knowing what you should have, knowing what God's called you to have, and not getting involved in other stuff. One of the biggest malaises of our culture, um, we call it FOMO, fear of missing out. Everyone's scared of missing out. Everyone's scared of not being at the pie, not being at this, not being at this. Everyone wants to do everything, be everywhere, be with everyone, be at every party, be at every event, do everything. And uh, so I've got a new phrase. I call it JOMO. It's the joy of missing out. Oh, that conference is going over there. Do you know what? I'm so happy I'm not there because if I was there, I couldn't be here doing this. That, that's, we've got to have a joy that I'm doing what I'm called to do. You know, sometimes I look at the grass on the other side of the fence. I look at what other people are doing in their ministries. Um, you know, if you're a pastor like me and you're, you're preaching to the same people every week, I bet sometimes you just wish to be a traveling minister. You know, say what you like, throw a few grenades in the audience, then just preach at a different group next week. Hey, you know, and you just, you know, be nice. Avoid the stones that they throw at you because you're somewhere else next week. But, you know, sometimes you've got, but you know what that does? It drives me to say, thank you for the grass I have, and I'm going to water it more, and I'm going to be more productive there. You can't have it all. What are you called to do? Where are you called to be? You know, you can't have it all. Imagine we decide to have a race today. Right, which one of us can run 200 meters the fastest? Okay, I'd probably be last. But imagine if one of you turned up with a bottle of wine, a massive piece of cheese. What are you doing? I'm going to celebrate when I'm at the finish line. I'm going to have a pie, man. And you, you, you got your jacket on. You're not going to win because some of the stuff in your hands is irrelevant to what we're doing. And some of you have got things in your hands, tasks that you feel responsible for that are totally irrelevant to your kingdom mission. And you have to lay aside every weight so you can run the race that God has given you to run. Do you want to be a successful leader? Do you want to be a success in life? You cannot have it all. You can't. And one of the hardest choices we have to make as leaders is sometimes, as times in our life, we have to turn down good things for better things. It's not difficult to make a decision between a bad thing and a good thing. When you have a decision, a good thing and a better thing, that's hard. And that's when your leadership abilities, your ability to prioritize, your ability to make choices. Okay, this is how we're going to do this conference. This is how we're going to do church on Sunday. You have three people come to you during the Sunday morning worship service. And each one's got a prophetic word. Well, I can't have all three because that's going to confuse my people. This one. And these two people are going to go, well, well, you've just made it very easy for me now because I don't want you up there at the front because you can't handle that. I tell all my people, you want to have a a prophetic ministry in Tree of Life? Number one, don't be thin-skinned because I might just choose to ignore what you're saying. And move on and do something different. Hey, I'm the leader. I don't stop being the leader just because you heard from God. And so we have to learn how to shoot these things. We have to learn, you know, what do you do if 
you get a chance to invite two guest speakers to your church on a Sunday and they've both got great ministries and they're both different. They've both got good ministries. I've seen that decision cripple pastors. They just fall apart. They don't know what to do. Like my daughter in the ice cream shop when she's five. I don't know what to do. There was once a lighthouse keeper. Some of you might have heard this story and he worked on a rocky coastline in the UK. This is before they had electricity and every month they brought him the oil. This is up in Scotland. They brought him the oil to last the month for the, the lighthouse. And this is your monthly supply of oil for the lighthouse. And he didn't live far from town. And people came and visited him from the town and spent time with him. And one night a lady came. She said, my family and I are freezing. We're really cold. Could we have a little bit of oil, please? Just so we could light a fire. And he goes, okay, he's, he's a kind man. He wants to bless them. So he gives them some oil. And then a father came. And he said, look, I'm a farmer. And if I don't get the machinery going, I'm not going to be able to have a harvest. I'm going to lose my harvest. Um, I need a little bit of oil just to get my machinery going. Well, that's a good request. Okay, here you go. Well, towards the end of the month, the lighthouse ran out of oil. And a couple of days before the end of the month, the storm happened and a ship wrecked on the ship on, on the shore. And during the investigation, this man was very sorry, but they kept telling him, your oil only has one purpose. Keep the light on. That's the only purpose for your oil. You can't give it away. You can't do something else with it. That's the purpose. You're a Christian leader. You have one purpose. Keep the light on. Keep the light burning. Just before lockdown, I had a phone call Thursday morning. And it was a lady in the church who was having a really difficult time in her marriage. And I said, I'm not coming to visit you. She said, what? I said, I'm not coming. I said, today is Thursday. And today I'm writing Sunday morning service. I said, Friday is my day off. And I need my day off. And I'm having my day off. I said, your marriage does not get this way in one day. And it's not going to get sold in one day. I says, I'll meet you and your husband after church on Sunday. And we'll set a date for next week. And she got so annoyed. She got so upset. And, um, you know, she went, I'm not even coming on Sunday. It is amazing to me how many people miss listening to me preach on a Sunday for reasons that would never keep me from preparing my sermon. They'll never keep me from being there, never keep me from preaching. And I could, I could easily avoid sermon preparation due to the demands on my time. Sermon preparation takes a long part of my week, getting ready to preach on the Sunday. And I have to make sure it's done because that's my light. That's where I shine. That's where I speak to the whole church at once. I have to get that done. And it's amazing how many people fill me up on Monday or Tuesday with a problem. And I think if you'd been there Sunday, I know you wouldn't have this problem today. I've got to keep my eye for the light. You've got to prioritize what's important. There are certain things in tree of life that I, you know, I've, I've had someone tell me recently to delegate something I do. And I said, that will never be delegated. Some things you can't delegate. You can't delegate self-improvement stuff. You got, you can't delegate your learning. You know, you can't send someone else to conference to learn. You've got to take the week off and go to the conference. You've got to sit down at the feet of someone else. You can't turn that off. There are some things you cannot prioritize. You can't, you can't delegate. You have to prioritize them. And so making Sunday morning my priority, it helps the whole church. It keeps me sane, and it helps me choose between when there's good things. That, that makes me a good pastor. That makes me a good leader. Many people run themselves into the ground doing good things that aren't important, like that lighthouse guy. And they fail themselves and they never lead anyone safely to shore. And the more, listen, the more successful you become, the busier you will become. The more difficult the choices will become, the more good the things you have to choose between are. Okay. When I first left Bible College in the year 2000, I didn't have to choose about preaching invites. When I got invited to preach, I just took it because they, they didn't come that often. I, yeah, I'll go. You know, what's it, a 500 mile round trip and you give me a can of Coke for going? on come on i'm gonna get the experience i'm gonna go now i've got stacks of invites I, I couldn't possibly go to every invite i have so i have to make choices i have to make my priorities 
how do I do that? There's a whole different way, whole different way. You have to decide what's important to you, what's important to your ministry. One of my priorities is this kind of stuff, talking to other leaders and helping other leaders. So when, and one of my priorities in life is Shane as well. So if Shane asks me to talk to leaders, that's just going to get done. You know, but you have to know what's God called you to do. Where's your sweet spot? What is your thing? Because if you learn to do that, you're going to have a better life and you're going to be a better leader. And finally, I think I've got enough time just to say you need to learn how to be proactive, not reactive. You know, you need to spend more of your life in the proactive stage of life than the reactive. Now, there's always going to be reactive stuff. There's only something that you've got to respond to there and then or whatever. But you need to reach a level in your life where the question is, what do I have to do today? To What can I do today that's going to make the biggest difference in people's lives? Prepare, plan, don't live in the moment, press pause and go, what's going to happen next? You be the one who contacts people. If you contact them first, you get to set the agenda. Every one of you should be making more outgoing calls than getting incoming calls. That's part of leadership. Seize the day. Don't wait for the right moment. Make the moment right. Have a calendar that's based on priorities, not people. Invest in people. Don't just spend time with people, but proactively. Right? If I'm going to meet that person, what am I going to ask them? How am I going to spend time with them? What do I need to help them do? You can run your whole life like this. You know, most people, their most productive week of their life is the week before they go on holiday. And they clear their desk and they clear their inbox and they get everything sorted and they pass everything on to the next person. You can do that every week of your life. You can live your life like that. You need to reach a place where what you're doing is important and you push the urgent back. You know, and if that means you get a piece of paper and you just draw a line and a line across, put the top urgent, put here important, then you're going to have things up here that are important and urgent. Better get them done first. Some things are important, but they're not urgent. Then you make them urgent. You set yourself a deadline. Okay, I'm halfway for a new book on leadership. It's called Seven Faces Every Leader Needs. I've made myself a deadline. That book will be ready and it's going to be ready for our summer conference in August and people are going to be able to buy it there. That, that's made a difference. Now I've set my own deadline because I'm taking charge of my own life, not what someone else says, not what everyone else is doing. Some things are not important, but they're very urgent. If you can do it quickly, do it. Okay. When I have something come my way that's really urgent, okay, but it's not really important, then I have my, my three Ds that I respond with it with. Do, delegate, delay. Okay? So let's say I get an email. That's really important. Someone said, I had an email today from someone about a scripture they didn't understand. And it was really important to them. Okay? That doesn't necessarily make it important to me, but it's important to them. They're a new Christian. They've just started coming to one of our newest churches. But you know what? In 30 seconds, I could email, say, look, this means this, this means this, this is how it is. So I just did it. Just took care of it. It's done now out the way do if you can do it in under a minute do it just sort it if you can't do it in under a minute can you delegate it can i fire that email to one of my team of pastors and say can you just give this guy a reply please and just let him know it needs to be done delegate if i can't delegate it then i can delay okay well how long can i put that off to well probably three or four days before he starts getting upset i'll probably see him again on sunday so i want to have it done before sunday so i'm going to put that on my thursday list there we go so if i can't do it in under a minute then i'll delegate it if i can't generally can't delegate it i'll delay it and that do delegate delay, that helps me deal with anything that comes shooting at me that I sort of have to get an urgent thing. Okay. And then if it's not important and not urgent, it's not the three Ds. The three Ds are things that are urgent but not important. Things that aren't important and not urgent, I've got another, I've got the three Bs for them bin, boot, or battle. Okay. Bin means I'm never going to do it. It's going in the bin. I'm never doing it, never getting done. I don't care. Boot is my way of saying delegation that begins with B boot it down to someone else to do it's not an important task so 
it be any, anyone who's near me, anyone who can do that task, the least capable person gets that task to do. And battle means if, if I have to do it, if it has to be done by me, I'll set aside an hour in my diary every week until it's done. But that's never my important time. It's never my focus. It's not difficult to look at what you have to do and evaluate how important is this, how urgent is this. Set your priorities. Take time every day. The difficult thing is pressing pause long enough to think about these things. Is there a better way of doing this? Is this really important? Is this really a good use of my time right now? You need a strategy to evaluate your to-do list. And if you do that and implement that, I'm telling you, it will make you a much greater leader. Too many people have an anything goes attitude, but if you have that attitude, nothing will go well. Nothing. Okay, but if you determine your priorities, what do we want? What's our goal for this year? What are we aiming at? What are we trying to do? We're trying to grow the church bigger. We're trying to invest in people. Trying to do this. What's our top priority? Stick to things that help you with that top priority, and that'll make you a great leader. I'll finish with this one example. I'll take about a minute to, and then I'll hand back to you, Shane. Um, you know, Shane spoke at Tree of Life. Maria Lenz spoke at Tree of Life. Greg Moore spoke at Tree of Life. How do I decide? I, I could get a whole bunch of guest speakers at Tree of Life. I, I got people writing me and asking if they can come and speak for me. How do I decide? Why do I pick these guys again and again consistently? Well, these are my three priorities for choosing a guest speaker. I'm just showing you how it works in my head. This will help you. This might help you in situations you're facing. My top priority for choosing a guest speaker is this. Am I going to get fed when I go to that service? Because I, I, I don't take much time off, you know, but I'm going to sit down on a Sunday morning and listen to another preacher. I better get fed. That's the most important thing. It's more important I get fed than anyone else in the church because I'm the pastor. So when I invite Greg Moore, I know that when Greg teaches, I'm going to get personally get fed out of that. I know I'm going to get inspired by that. Same with Marie Helene, same with Shane. I know I'm going to get something that's going to help me be more fed. That's more important. Even if the whole church said, we don't like that guy, we don't like that person, I don't care because I'm getting fed. And that's what's really important. The second thing is, are they helping equip our people? That's the fivefold ministry. And then second by quite a margin. And then the third thing, again, by a big margin, is do they bring people who wouldn't otherwise come to our church? Do people come, oh, that's interesting. And not all of them will stay, but sometimes about 10% do, which has been quite quite wonderful, you know. So you get 30 new people come just to hear your guest speaker, and then three of them come back next week. That, that That's a win. So that's how I prioritize that. And that's how I make that decision, because I know what my priorities are. I know what I'm looking for, therefore I find it. If you don't know what you're looking for, you're like that kid in the ice cream shop. Oh, 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 oh. and you're going to be lost and you're going to waste time and you're not going to get the best out of life and you're not going to be able to help your people get where they need to go. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. What a joy to be with you guys. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ben. You know, one of the things uh, uh, I love about Ben is just his heart for leaders. And you can really hear that coming out as he's just shared some uh, real gems with us in um, what's going to help us to be more effective as leaders. So thank you, Ben. I really appreciate that. And um, 